Good day, my friends, and welcome to the Craig Shapiro Tennis Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Diodora, the brand new famous five-year-old board. Currently born by world number 23, Alejandro Davidovich Kokina, world number 33, Jan Leonard Struck, world number 63, Martina Trevisan. Use my code APPROVE in all caps at hollabirdsports.com to receive 15% off all performance tennis shoes. Born and raised in Mumbai, India, and in 1974, along with his brother BJ, led his country to the Davis Cup Finals, and in 1987, was a member of the team that his brother captained the finals again. He won six titles on tour and beat Connors on grass. He won another 12 titles in doubles. He's one of the most colorful characters in tennis, and as a result of his unique and flashy style, he's on the cover of the latest issue of Racket Magazine. Looking at the cover of Racket Magazine edition number 23, I'm looking at the man. First time on the cover. First time on the cover for anybody in our family, not just not just me. I don't think Vijay or Ashok or Prakash or Stephen or even Allison has been on a cover. So I, this one I have one up everybody. When you saw that cover on Thursday, what did you think? I I, I really was in a state of shock. Because Stephen had told me vaguely that, uh, you know, Dad, this is going to be the highlight of your life. And I didn't quite believe him till I saw the cover, till I saw the billboard at the party, which was even more amazing. That, you know, pictures of me all over the place. And this is, uh, you know, late in my career and my life to have this kind of uh, publicity is uh, really quite amazing. Gentlemen, you hear tennis family, historic moments in tennis all the way through in 1974 the indian davis cup team reached the finals of davis cup we're going to talk about it all gentlemen is a non-amitrage so good to see you thanks Craig. we are Thank you. we are here in the media patio uh, at the u.s open what was your first u.s open i don't think you want to know but it was 19 pj and i played in forest hills in 1972. how'd you do we won a couple of matches in singles. We got all the way. In 73, we got in the quarterfinal of the doubles. 73 and 76. Two quarterfinals of doubles in, in uh, Forest Hills. We were both times on the grass, which is where we played our best. How was that grass? Pretty good. Not as good as Wimbledon, but very good. I love the club. Forest Hills, amazing club. And then you enjoyed that in club? I loved it. In 78, they moved here. I loved Newport as well, where I played really well. Beat McEnroe in the singles. That was my highlight of my singles career beating McEnroe, but getting back to the Davis Cup in 1974, BJ and I played both singles and doubles all the way through, and we got to the final where we had to default to South Africa, as you know. And then we, 13 years later, we got to the final in 1987 with my buddy Ramesh Krishnan playing singles, I played doubles, so I was two Davis Cup finals, and the second one, of course, we had no chance. We played Sweden in Sweden where they laid down a special clay court for us to, to make sure that we had no chance. As you know, we do a five-set format. The first set is the off-the-court report. What are your uh, duties here at the U.S. Open? We are here. It is as crowded as we've ever seen. Aside from being the guest of the president and the USTA, yeah. do you have other obligations here, meetings, such? Not a lot. I have several meetings here, but mostly with uh, with my some of my sponsors and stuff. But otherwise, just here to enjoy the tennis for the first couple of days in the, in the president's suite, which is... 
spectacular. You have to wear a jacket in that jacket, suit. You've got to wear a jacket, preferably a tie. For our listeners, Anand is wearing... What jacket is this? This is my Davis Cup blazer from 1987. Here we go to the final against Sweden. And this is a Davis Cup and Olympic tie. I have one, so... Listen, he's the best-dressed person in all the tennis. We've got him here. Now, anything else? Any big dinners? Best Indian restaurant in Manhattan? I haven't been to one, but I went to a really good one the other night in, in New Jersey. It was absolutely superb. So I went to that. Which, which restaurant? It is called uh, Sunny's Indian Kitchen. Very good. I've been there before. And I had Sunny. I told Sunny, the owner, you got to go in there and cook. But I want my chicken uh, Vindaloo's hot. So, he, he, did. Won. You, he, he did it. He did. Sonny's. Sonny's. In Jersey. Sonny's in uh, Madison, New Jersey. Approved. Approved. Top class. Top. It was very good. I want to try the ones here in Manhattan. When Vijay and I first came here with my parents, we used to go to Gaylord's in Manhattan 40 years ago, and we ate there almost every night. My parents loved it. Vijay and I loved it. It was great fun. Ashok was there as well, so we had the whole family. Gaylord's. Gaylord's. I don't think it's still there now. Let's move into the second set. This is the On The Court Report. What are you hearing about this Saudi Arabia initiative? I've been keeping an eye on it, but, you know, I mean, they, obviously they they can buy anything they want, just like they've been, uh, you know, involved with the cricket and everything else in India. I think that uh, as good as the money is that's coming into tennis, and there's a lot, there's a lot of it coming in, but I think it should really go down to some of the lower rank players, 100 and below, and the doubles players. So it kind of makes it easy for people to get easier for people to get into the sport. What does your brother say about it? What are your uh, nephews? What does your nephew say about it? What does your son say about it? What does your daughter-in-law say about it? My brother Vijay is the president of the local Tamil Nadu Tennis Association in Madras. So he's very involved in bringing tennis to India. He, he brought the WTA event last September where Allison played. So that was great. And Stephen was there as well. And uh, I haven't honestly spent a lot of time speaking to them about the Saudi thing, but I'm sure everybody's got his own opinion on it. The money always seems to win. Is, is it inevitable that this is going to happen? They're already having so. the end of the year finals. Yeah, yeah, uh, the, so. the next gen is in uh, think, yeah. Jeddah. I definitely think so. And these players now will have uh, much more wealth. Yeah. Considering that we used to play for 100 pounds every time Vijay and I played in Wimbledon, that, that was what we got. 100 pounds. 100 pounds each, and we were so happy to get it. But, uh, you know, I mean, how life has changed in the last 40 years. We're hearing that the Newport tournament maybe moot is gone. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, I know that you had a good, you had, yeah, that was your best tournament. That was my best singles tournament, my win over McEnroe got to the semifinals, so that was my best single. U.S. Open, Forest Hills, uh, round of 16 was, was great, but uh, grass was my surface, and now you've you got to look high and low to find the grass court. Let's move into the third set. This is the portion of our show where we talk about your career. Where does your tennis begin? Well, it began in India, the city of Madras, where my mother, who was a very keen tennis fan, did not want me to play chess, which was my first love. And, and I played when I was six, seven, and eight, and I was very good at chess. And uh, they were going to give me a scholarship to the Michael Tal Academy in Moscow, and she would have none of it. And uh, so she said, no, no, you forget about chess. You're going to start playing tennis. Took me to the tennis courts and uh, put me in front of a coach who had no intention of making it fun. You grew up in Madras, and Vijay was a better player? Not for the first 20 years. 
Until about 1972, when I was 20, I was always better than him. And I joined the Davis Cup team sooner in 1968. He came in two years later. But he had his big breakout year. In December of 72, he won the Indian National Singles. I lost the semis, we won the doubles. My brother Ashok won the juniors, so it was a clean sweep by the Amitrajas in Calcutta in 1972, Indian Nationals. Then, 1973, he had his breakout year when he beat Labour, he won Bretton Woods, you know, and then, you know, he left me behind. Now, you are Catholics. Yes. How has that happened? Well, my mother's side is Catholic. My dad's side was Protestant. But when they got married in, in uh, 1948, 49, uh, my, my grandparents had my dad convert to Catholicism. So we used to go to Catholic church together, but my mother's parents were very religious, as was my mom. So, and she brought us up the same way. So all of us are pretty, pretty religious. But is that, but you, in the area where you're from, that's where the Catholics are from? 1%. 1%. One maximum 2% Catholic, 2% Protestant. The rest are all Hindus and Muslims. Most of India is. So that's just the way it happened? That's just the way it happened. That's very interesting. Yeah, it's amazing actually because uh, when so, the British missionaries came to India in the 1900s, they tried to convert people to Christianity. So some got uh, to be Catholic, some got to be Protestant, but the majority of them stayed Hindus and Muslims. How did you guys get good? I mean, how did you become as good as like top players in the world? Where did you practice? How did you, were you play in junior tournaments? Well, we played junior tournaments quite a bit in Europe, all over the place. Oh, you did? The, oh, yeah. You did. So you were identified as talent. Yeah. And the Indian had a federation. India had a federation. I won the national junior boys 18 at the age of 13. And Vijay came along uh, uh, three years later, and he and I were in the final. So I kind of rolled over and gave him the, gave him the, the win. So he could be national junior champion. And then Ashok came along after that. So we held the junior title for a long time. And then we played in Europe a lot and followed it up by Davis Cup. So when you got to Europe, you're these Indian kids. Who were some of the guys you were playing? Played with, I actually met two of them the other day over at, at the party that we had on Thursday night. It was Gaurav Misra who played uh, Davis Cup with me. He played the junior circuit with me. There was Vijay, of course. There was another guy called Sashi Menon, who also Sashi lives, in Menon. Sashi lives in California. Yeah. Who played, all four of us went on the junior team together to Europe. Then later on was... But who the, would you see in Europe that made you, you know, that ended up becoming great players? Who did you do battle with out there? The guys like Manuel Orantes, Balas Taroxi, all of whom were better than us. Manolo Orantes, Balas Taroxi, they were all better than you? At that point, yeah, definitely. Though I did beat Orantes and Forrest Hills the year that I got to the third round. So I beat Orantes, I beat Taroxi as well. But as juniors, they, 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 beat us, they beat us up pretty badly. And at Orange, I beat Brian Godfrey. So I had some good wins on the grass. But all the European clay coders were better than us, as juniors. And it was it just a natural progression to turn pro? Yeah, but in those days, you didn't get up one morning and say, I'm going to turn pro. It just kind of happened. It went from, by 1973, 1974, there was more money coming into the game. We figured, oh, why not? And being the number one and number two in the country, we were able to, you know, parlay our tennis into the pro circuit. And in 1973, I think the ATP was formed. So slowly we got into that. We got ourselves agents. Donald Dell and uh, Frank Regal were our agents here in the U.S. So it kind of, it's not something we got up one morning and did. 
it's just kind of fell into it. And was there ever like a match you won or a tournament you played where you're like, oh, we could be, we could be really good. We could become, like this could be our lives. Or did you just always know that you were gonna be no. playing, you know, main draw Wimbledon and no? No, we no. never did, and we never, we never thought that. First of all, a that we would get so far. I don't think Vijay even dreamed it. I certainly did not. But by 1974, after getting to the Davis Cup final, we figured, hey, we, we, are, we are almost there. All we needed, we would have been in South Africa that year. I strongly believe that it was a huge mistake by the government not to allow us to play that match. For our listeners, back in the day, Davis Cup was massive. The Davis Cup was the most important thing in tennis after Wimbledon. And in 1974, let me know if I have this right. The Indian Davis Cup team gets to the final and you choose not to play South Africa because of apartheid. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And what did you do, you just defaulted? No, Vijay and I were playing a tournament in Stockholm at that time, and I remember getting on the phone with the president of the Indian Federation and absolutely screaming at him, which all the reporters in the room heard, when he said, it's not my decision, it is a decision of the Indian government to default this match because we don't uh, like apartheid policy in South Africa, which I thought was uh, Vijay, was quiet about it, but I thought it was a huge mistake because we would definitely have won that match. This is heralded as a very strong stance. Yeah, it was. But you think you should have just played? Because, you know, if, it, if they'd come to India, we'd go to South Africa and beat them, it would have been even better. Could you have won? I, I feel we had 90% chance of winning. I've been told that you guys are still like so famous in India, it's incredible. The Amitra's name, fortunately, to this day carries a lot of weight in India and we get a lot of things uh, that we get done and all, you know. The good thing about the Indian public is they have so few real heroes other than the cricket players. It's basically us. Ramanathan Krishnan, is he someone that, you know, is your contemporary? He was our first Davis Cup captain. Right, but he was your contemporary. No, no, he's 15 years older than me. I'm saying, that's, that's what I mean, that's what that means. But the funny thing is that this time when I was there a few months ago, I went to visit him. How important is he to Indian tennis? He's huge. He's the a, he's a, he's a man who in the early 60s or mid-60s put India on the map. But did he help develop you guys? No, but in 1966, he and Jadip Mukherjee and Prendit Lal got to the Davis Cup final for the first time, 66. And Krish was a top five player in the world. So he was, he was great. And we had to beat him to take over Indian tennis, which we did in 72 and 73. I see. What was it like being a pro back then? Did you guys, do you just love it? Loved it. Loved it. I absolutely loved it. I, I could have done it. I did it for 20 years. I could have done it for another 20 if, uh, you know, if I hadn't gotten old. Your best moment on tour? Best moment on tour is saving India against Japan twice in Davis Cup, once in India, once in Japan, when they put us in five degree weather on clay so they could beat us, but managed to beat them anyway. Your best win on tour? McEnroe, Orantis, and Brian Godfrey, my three best wins. Where'd you beat those guys? You beat McEnroe in Newport. Orantis at Forest Hills, and Godfrey in Orange. Orange, New Jersey, on the grass. There was a tournament in Orange. Oh yeah, right before the US Open. It was in, yeah, one of my favorite tournaments. Could you have done better? I would have had to work a lot harder, yes. Which, uh, I was too busy having a good time as well. You guys are like playboys. Now, what's the story behind the hair? You got that, you got that beautiful feathered hair. My mother, the first time we went to England as a junior, as the story goes, I didn't have enough uh, money for a haircut, so I just let it grow. 
And when my mother came back, my mother, when I came back, my mother had a fit. And she almost forced me to cut my hair. But it didn't last very long. And I've kept it ever since. And luckily, I still have it, which is I'm grateful for. I mean, your hair, you're like a god with your hair like that. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Greg. What's the, see, what's, what's the trick to keep it so nice? Listen, I heard, I heard that Lucky. you spent a lot of time in the mirror. No. I heard you spent a lot of time in the mirror. You'd be surprised, I don't. Guys at Wimbledon told me that you put a lot of time <laughs> in the mirror to get ready to get a take to court. That's not true? Not at all. Absolutely, absolutely false. I, you know, I get up in the morning, it's like this, which is great. Now, is it true that you are a member of the All England Club? I'm a member of the last eight clubs. Your final eight club. And is, but is V, doesn't V, is VJ? VJ is a member of the club. Oh, because he got that because he was James, he was in James Bond. No. I don't know why he got that, but he got it. But, uh, and he's, all these guys walk around with that badge, like it's a, you know. You don't have that? No, it yeah. pisses me off, so. Does VJ rub that in your face? No, he doesn't, but he could. He did. <laughs> And now, listen, I know that you guys were heavy at the Huggy Bear. Yeah. Those were weeks before this. Were you, were you the MC as well, or was just VJ was the MC? VJ was MC, but I won it twice. Are those your two best paydays? Yeah. Well, once with uh, Wally Masur and once with Ricky Leach. Yeah. Best paydays. You were invited every year. Yeah. Because I knew Tony Forsman very well. So for our listeners, the Huggy Bear, I actually wrote about it in one of the Racket magazines, is a famous tournament that was held before the U.S. Open in the Hamptons. It was a heavy action, heavy gambling tournament. All these big hitters would bring in ringers. And Teddy Forsman of Forsman Little, the original corporate raider, he is now deceased, he was the ringleader of this event it was a giant event in the Hamptons, and you guys were prominent out there. You won it twice, and those are big paydays. Well, the first year, the night, uh, the party before, I had a few too many to drink, and I also, I also bought my team of uh, Wally Masur and me. We, I bought the team, and uh, so I made even, even more money because I owned the team as well as winning the tournament. So it was the best, all-time best payday. All-time best payday. All-time How much? Come on, a couple hundred thousand dollars for me. It was like those days, it was unbelievable. A couple hundred grand. See, we played on three courts Tony's, Teddy's, and Nikki's, uh, the younger brother. And Nikki and Teddy used to work together in Postman Little, as you just mentioned. Yeah. Tom Gullickson once said that there was more pressure at the Huggy than there was at a major. I don't know about that, but it was, it was by far the best week of the year. Explain the BISC systems. Well, they had a guy called Don Brosso who ran it. Okay. And he and I think Teddy got together and they used to handicap people, giving them plus bisques. They gave the worst teams bisques. And uh, the, the highlight was the final of the Pro Pro, a Pro X Pro against the Pro Am. And you had to give them, the, the Pro Pros had to give the Pro Ams 10 bisques, which means they could take 10 points whenever they wanted. And I remember one year we, Wally and I played Pancho Segura and a Paul Anacone in one final. And they, we had to give them 10 points. It wasn't that easy with Segura, as old as he was, he was quite a fox, you know, so it was a tough match. Bisque management is, is, is the key. Bisque management is the key, and owners of the team had a huge say in who took the bisque and when they took it. From the, the sidelines. Exactly. So, so in addition to your playing, That's right. you got teams that, you got, you got owners that bought the teams, and there was a big Calcutta, 
And I heard it was your brother that was in charge of the Calcutta. He like, the, the last few years he emceed it, yeah. He emceed the Calcutta. He emceed the Calcutta, which was really good fun. But the funny thing is that, but at this system, you know, they stop the match every now and then when the owner wanted to, you know, use a bisque or something. So it was it was a joke. It was just so much fun. It was by far the best week of the year. Now, I understand you to be, like, very sort of enamored with England. Yeah. You're I, sort of I'm an Anglophile. Kind of, but, you know, I kind of. going there. I've, been, I've been there the last 40, 50 years. Is it conflicting to be Indian and to enjoy England, or is it like... Because they were your they were your oppressors, right? 90 years they ruled us. Yeah, they took you down. That's right. But the funny thing is that if you talk to a lot of, you know, uh, like I would say slightly wealthier Indians, they don't have a lot to say bad about the Brits. And every single one of them has a summer house in London. All, all of my friends have summer places in, in London. So it's not, I mean, the feeling is not like some other places where I know they ruled us for 90 years, so we're going to give them a hard time. No. But, uh, and now, funnily enough, the, the British Prime Minister of Indian origin, so we got them back, you know? You got them back. <laughs> <laughs> What's the story behind the dressing? When did you become such a flashy dresser? I think I've always been flashy. Always. Com uh, compared to both my brothers who like browns and blacks, they were, you know, Ashok, my youngest brother especially, is usually in black or brown. Vijay, a little bit more colorful. But most importantly, I dressed to make me happy. I didn't dress for any other reason. If I liked to wear reds and, and, uh, and pinks, you know, I wore it. So as simple as that. I didn't really do it for any particular reason. I really didn't. How does tennis end for you? Pro tennis. Well, pro tennis, I, I would think of my last match as a Davis Cup against Yugoslavia in 1988, February, where Vijay and I lost to Zivanov, uh, Slobodan and his partner in a Davis Cup tie doubles and then decided to quit the Davis Cup team. So I played from 1968 to 1988. 20 years of Davis Cup, 20 years on the tour. So that was the end of my pro career. But after that was, like I said, the Huggy Bear in 88. We won the Wimbledon over 35s in, in 89. So we were still involved with Wimbledon in a lot of ways. US Open won the 2003 mixed doubles here at the US Open, which is one of my favorite wins. Uh, so, you know, I never really got out of tennis and st I still play three, four times a week. I uh, love to play tennis, I love to watch tennis. Uh, you know, there, there's not uh, any other sports that I follow. I'm not a big football fan or cricket fan or baseball, you know. I, I think of myself as a true tennis player and tennis fan. Let's move into the fourth set. This is the ten ball scramble. And I just say it and you say what comes in your mind. Your favorite racket. I like my right, the Onyx uh, E-Zone. I heard you string your racket at like 20 pounds. 17 or 18, actually. Did you play like that? No, but as, uh, you know, the looser you string the racket, the more, more power you get from it, believe it or not. Most people think it's the other way, but it has a trampoline effect, and if you're able to control the ball, if you're able to control the ball, you can string it as loose as you want, and then you can hit it harder and harder. 17 pounds, man. Yeah. It's, it's all about feel. You're a field player. I'm completely a field player. I wish I could hit the ball harder, but I can't. Uh, size of your grip? Five eights. Four and five eights. Four and five eights. That's old. So you just have one. We have one grip. One grip. Continental. Continental. Typical old school. You know, single-handed backhand. Big entourage or lean and mean? Lean and mean. 
There was no entourage. BJ was my coach. I was his coach. What do you no. think about now? There are people with you I'm don't not like. Sure. You don't like it. I'm not sure how. Player box etiquette. How should people behave in the box? It should be quiet mostly. You know, I can understand now they've allowed coaching, which I don't know if it's a great idea, but they should really keep it down to a minimum. You got to be cool in the box. Cool in the box. What did you do with your trophies? Where do you keep your trophies? At home mostly. I have a whole bunch of, I have a whole room full of them. You have a whole room. What, what, what room is it? Your TV room? It's my living room, your TV living room. room, yeah. And most importantly, I have a court in my backyard, which I just resurfaced, so I have all my friends come and play now. My brother's played at your court, I oh, believe. that's right. Um, do you save your credentials for over the years? Do you save I the I do badge? have a lot of my Wimbledon credentials, yep. What do you do with them? I think I have a little box. You have them in a box? I have in a box, all the way from uh, 90s. What was the most, you know, sort of cavalier thing you ever did with prize money? Like, right out of the office? Did you ever just buy a Ferrari or...? I did buy a Ferrari, but not out of uh, my career prize money. I bought one three years ago, which was my favorite buy of all time. Uh, it's yellow, and it's typical. It's the only yellow they made in four years, is what they told me. So I was really happy with that. That was a 2021 California tea, and that's my baby. What was, like, the wildest thing you ever did right out of the office? Did you ever fly the Concorde? Did you ever... Flew the Concorde a couple of times, London, New York once, New York, London once, which was spectacular. I'm so sorry they took it out of action, but uh, it was, you know, it, it was mind-boggling. But no, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't go to Vegas and blow all my money, fortunately. And, you know, occasionally extravagant, but not very often, so. Your favorite tournament? I've always thought of Wimbledon as my favorite tournament. Wimbledon and the Davis Cup are my two favorites. U.S. Open. No, I do have a special feeling for the U.S. Open, having won the 2003 mixed doubles here. I played with a girl who was one of Billie Jean King's very good friends. So every match that we played, Billie Jean was in on the sidelines watching. Who was, was it? Her name was Mary Lou Pytek Daniels. You know, she yeah. used to play on the tour before, and she was from Chicago and a good friend of Billie Jean's. Really fun. Let's move into the fifth and final set. This is the king of the court. If you could be, it could be uh, the king of tennis for a day and make a change in the sport with no aggravation, what would it be? I would put a height limit on all the people who play the game. If you're over six foot six, you're not, you shouldn't be allowed to play tennis. You stick to basketball. I'm just kidding. Is there anything in rules, any, anything in the schedule? Do you, you, you think that the coaching should be gone? Like, wait, is there anything interesting well, that you... They just brought coaching into it, so I don't know if I, I agree with coaching should be gone. But it should be kept to a bare minimum, in my opinion. I'm not a big fan of... In Davis Cup, you get to sit next to your captain. He tells you what, uh, what you need to know. But to be shouting it from uh, the box or someplace in the stands is not a good idea. Racket Magazine, the cover, you gotta be happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very happy. You know, thanks, Greg, for having me. What happens to you the next couple of weeks? Are you here? Are you... No, I'm going to be back to LA in about a week or so, and I'm there. And, and I'm uh, actually September is a fairly quiet month. Listen, it's such a fun moment to have tennis royalty on the show. Thank you. Anand Amitrash, thank you very much, and you are released. Thanks, Greg. Huge thank you to Anand Amitraj. Thank you to Diodora. Use my code APPROVED in all caps at hollywoodsports.com for 15% off of all Diodora performance tennis shoes. Megan Fernandez edited the show. Our music is by Brian Senti. 
back next time with more of the most interesting voices in the sport. Until then, I'm Craig Shapiro, and you are released.